Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Oh, baby, back at it again. It's another Can't Stop, Won't Stop edition, a very special edition of the NFL Draft Bible Radio here on All Access Football, featured on the NFLDraftScout.com. And boy, oh, boy, it's going to be um, really a joy to co-host uh, the first time ever we have both the draft ninja Bo Marchant and Chris Shanafelt himself. Of course, RIC and a place to be Rick Saratella here telling it like it is when it comes to the NFL draft since 2002. It's what we do, baby. And, you know, by the time you tune in and listen to this podcast, we'll be less than 24 hours away from destination Nashville, the 2019 NFL draft. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Do you have everything you need? Well, if you haven't ordered the 2019 NFL Draft Bible yet, then you obviously haven't. Don't be left behind. Get in the game. Get in the know. Get ready for the big show. Go to NFLDraftScout.com. Download that Draft Bible. Up there in the menu bar, you'll see a link for the 2019 NFL Draft Guide. And uh, today we're going to have some fun if you're familiar with Bo and Chris on Twitter, uh, two great follows, especially if you want to get away from the mainstream media trash, the banging and bopping over the head. Let's talk about the same four quarterbacks. Let's talk about Bosa and Quinn and Williams over and over and over. Well, Bo and Chris are really refreshing and we're going to bring them in in just a second. But again, NFLDraftScout.com, up there in the menu bar, the 2019 NFL Draft Guide. And if you're listening on iTunes, on Blog Talk Radio, on DraftScout, on Stitcher, wherever it may be, please like it, share it, subscribe to it. Heck, if you can comment on it, especially on iTunes, hey, here at Alexis Football, NFL Draft Bible, we're the Rodney Dangerfield of podcasts. We need all the help we can get because we really are trying to spread the good gospel of the NFL Draft Bible Scouting Department. And uh, with that being said, I believe we have Bo on the line. Bo Marchant, of course, roots here at the NFL Draft Bible now, the founder of College to Pro. Bo, actually, no, I'm sorry. Bo is texting me. And we have Chris. <laughs> hey, I told you it's the first time we're doing this. We go out to Chicago and bring in Chris Shanafelt here. Of course, the CS Podcast, NFL Draft Bible. My man interviews hundreds and hundreds of players uh, around the clock. Chris, how are we doing today? Doing well, Rick. What's up? Glad to be on. Uh, you know, uh, about, what, 25, 26 hours away from the start of the 2019 NFL Draft. It's what we work uh, really all year long for. So very exciting time and uh, happy to be on. Yeah, no, it's going to be a lot of fun, and I think, you know, between between the three of us, uh, you know, it's unbelievable the amount of 
prospects that we talk to each and every year. And, you know, let's start off before we get into all that, let's start off with, you know, 364 days down (laughs) a long process. It's uh, winded down coming to an end. Uh, The process is essentially over. What was personally your favorite NFL draft moment from this year's draft? uh, Looking back at it now. Yeah, you know, it, it never – every year I almost have the same answer, Rick. It, it's just getting down to Indianapolis, uh, you know, getting down with the NFL Draft Bible crew. Uh, not not only the crew, but this is really the only time where coaches and GMs, um, you know, player personnel directors, the, the, the whole shebang um, from all 32 NFL teams, they're down in one spot, and that's Indianapolis, uh, Indiana at the uh, Indianapolis Convention Center. And, of course, uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. I mean, uh, not only that, you're you're also with, uh, you know, just about every single NFL media member, uh, uh, beat writers. I mean, it's all in one spot, and it's all going down uh, there at the convention center. So, so, you know, it's pretty cool to to kind of be in that atmosphere um, where, you know, people from all 32 NFL organizations are and, uh, you know, you're talking to uh, the, the, the top players in, in the 2019 NFL draft uh, before they go and, and showcase their talent in the combine, uh, kind of get to pick their brain for, for about a half hour for each player. Uh, so, again, every year, I mean, that, that those three, four days, five days in Indianapolis, uh, you know, it doesn't get much better than that for uh, uh, somebody that, that covers or, or a fan of the NFL draft. Agree, and as much fun as the combine is, it's the uh, evening shenanigans when the sun goes down, <laughs> the fun really begins, and of course, nobody knows more about that than our good buddy Bo Marchant over here, and uh, Bo, I've already introduced you about two or three times while we're waiting for you to call in, so welcome to the show, brother. Uh, welcome, I-, I appreciate you having me come on with you guys on Draft Ease, um, I was excited, and um, again, yeah, it's a fantastic time. It's it's a lot of hard work, and it's just kind of kind of take a deep breath, exhale, and, and, and exhale, and kind of talk about the season. Yeah, the draft season, uh, another one is winded down. 364 days of grinding, blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, it never ends. It only just begins. So we move on and turn the page to 2020, but uh, with less than 24 hours to go, by the time people hear this, Bo, you know, looking back at this year's draft cycle, uh, favorite draft memory from the season? Well, you know what? I, I, I just sent you the photo when I heard uh, Christian said it. My favorite draft memory was just seeing everybody, you know, the whole crew at the sports, the Shore Sports Gala down at the Combine. You know, I just, you know, it's always nice because anyone who's part of it, you know, you work all day and, and it's a grind. People, you know, it's an exciting thing to do. But, you know, you're up at the crack of the dawn, and you have to be on your cue every single moment because you don't know who you're going to see. You don't know what story is going to break. So you kind of have to always be aware. But those light, those nights do go late, you know, and, and then as tired as you are, 
It's about connecting and shaking hands and meeting new people. And those galas, just like the Shore Sports event, you know, where we all hooked up and, and got to kind of just, you know, relax a little bit. Those are the fun times, you know, and those are the memory makers. I know I had a great night. and But, again, at the crack of dawn, we're right back at it. You know, I, you know, I remember seeing you. You're at the convention center waiting to go in and seeing the quarterbacks and re- receivers throw. And, uh, you know, and like you said, the grind starts all over again from that point. Long days, but fun days. Yeah, no sleep till Brooklyn style and that shore sports lending uh, events. I mean, that's become a must-stop pit stop along the uh, draft week in Indianapolis. And, God, I don't know about you guys, man. I really hope they keep it there in Indianapolis. I mean, it's just really, really um, a nice format. So, with that being said, we've got the whole crew shebang bang. Uh, Chris Shanafelt, Bo Marchant, Rick Saratella here, NFL Draft Behind the Scenes episode. And, guys, you know, we all travel throughout the season. We're on the road, the various all-star games, the combine, uh, college football games throughout the season, pro days, X, Y, and Z. Um, You know, and every year we learn a valuable lesson in, in this, you know, scouting trails. And, you know, for me, it's probably a lesson that I've learned more than once. It's a lesson that I have to continue to reteach myself every so often. And I think because this year's, I mean, we say it every year, these guys are bigger, stronger, faster at the combine. And, you know, I think I had to bite my tongue a little bit and kind of take a step back. And, you know, I got a little bit too giddy and too excited about some of these measurables uh, coming out of Indianapolis, which is understood. But, you know, it's funny because, you know, you have your board going into the combine and then, you know, it shifts and shakes and moves around a little bit after the combine. And then you kind of have some time, you know, between February and now April to kind of uh, reflect and let reality sit in. So I think for me, you know, when I looked at my top 100 immediately after the combine, and then my top 100 that I just posted a couple of days ago, I think I the dust settled and had some time to kind of let it all uh, kick in and go back to the film and, and stick to that grade. So I think, you know, just kind of reteaching myself, that's the lesson I learned. It's easy to make that mistake. I think everybody does it to some extent. And it's one of those things where it's easier said than done. Uh, we'll go back over to you, Bo. I'm just curious, what did you learn from the scouting process this season? Well, you know, I, I learned it the very first time I started working with the draft Bible. I remember, I think I called you because I spoke to an agent and he said, you know, his kid was going to run a 4-3 and you're like, you're out of your mind. I'm like, no, he's running a 4-3. And this was back, you know, over a decade ago. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, Pro Day runs, you know, and he runs like a 4.78, 4.79, never was a 4.3 guy. But I was convinced of it because that's what they told me. And uh, I started to drink a little bit of that 4.3 juice this year. I spoke to a couple guys, and, you know, they really sold me. And I'm like, wow, these kids are really going to be fast cats when Pro Day rides around. And, you know, you're not going to run a 4.59 if you're a 4.3 guy unless you fall. And uh, so, you know, they end up running like four, five, nine, four, six, one. And, uh, you know, they, this particular guy was not a four, three guy. And, and I thought to myself, I'm like, they love to say four, three. It's just, I, Hey, I'm a four, three guy. No, you're not. There's maybe like five of them in the entire combine. And I doubt you're one of them. So again, I had to, I had to reconcrete that memory bank where, you know, Hey, you're not a four, three guy until the pro day or until the combine comes and you put it on paper 
that clock is official. Until then, you're not a 4-3 guy. But, Bo, I thought everybody was a 4-4 guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought so, too. When I first started, you know, every, I, mean, and, I mean, right when you get that phone call, listen, I got this kid. He's a 4-3 guy. He's, he's going he's gonna to blow the socks off his pro day. He's going to jump through the roof. He's got a cannon. He can throw from here to Cairo. No, he doesn't. He's not going to run that fast. And then, and then you don't hear from him anymore. So that's, again, that's a lesson I learned very early, but it's been a long time. I started to slip. I, again, I started to drink that 4-3 juice, but that wasn't the case. Yeah, you got to check yourself before you wreck yourself. And, you know, uh, point taken, you know, people wonder why the, the scouts are so guarded at these pro days and constantly looking over their shoulders and not wanting to share any information because um, depending on who you talk to, the agent, the player, uh, the scouts have the real times, and <clears throat> that's what they go by that time inserted to the APT. Uh, Beaumar Shanti with the Chris Shanafel T. Here, Chris, over to you. Uh, <laughs> valuable scouting lesson, my man. What did you learn this past year? Yeah, it's kind of a mixture of what you both just said. I mean, it's a mixture of don't believe everything you hear. I mean, uh, probably nine times out of ten, whatever you're hearing, whether, um, you know, you're, you're rubbing elbows with, uh, you know, the, these guys down in Indianapolis that, that are with these NFL organizations and they're telling you one thing, well, they can do the complete opposite. Or um, when, when looking at these measurables and, and all that, do not believe the school website. You know, I mean, they, they could have a wide receiver, uh, and I got a guy that we'll be talking about later on. Uh, they, they could have a wide receiver listed at 6'1". He, he comes to pro day, and he's actually 5'10". <clears throat> if that, uh, you know, and, and that's really a big thing that uh, I think NFL teams uh, take away from these pro days is getting these legit measurables and seeing where a player is actually uh, measuring and weighing in at because uh, – these school websites, uh, yeah, they they, uh, they 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 help these players out quite a bit uh, uh, until these teams get get their hands on them. Yeah, I remember back in high school. It's like, you know, you weighed in at one eighty. I don't know about <laughs> you guys. My coach, my coach would be like, "All right, you're two hundred. <laughs> you know, like, all, all right. right, you know, and uh, you know, if you see a small school guy, especially like listed at six foot three on the on the school website, I mean, it's pretty safe to assume he's probably no taller than six foot one and he's probably six foot and a half if that um so no doubt no doubt about it i think that's the one thing that will evolve in the future where you know when we began back in 2002 i mean you know you had to call the school uh request a media guide uh verbalize your address over the phone, actually speak it, yeah, because email was kind of, you know, shaky ground there. Someone might not check their email for a week or two, so you had to call, request the media guide, wait for it to come in the mail, and, boy, you know, I mean, if you're in your 20s, boy, are you spoiled because, man, Bo, we used to request the DVDs from the schools, the you know, oh. pop them up and pop them in the laptop and break them down. And boy, now you just go to Huddle or YouTube, and it's just everything. You got people out there chopping up videos and just spreadsheets of video chop ups where you don't even have to watch the entire game. They've got the whole player isolated. I mean, um, it's really uh, <laughs> talking about 
being a kid in a candy store, the, the technology that has evolved in the past 18 years of the draft Bible. So a lot of good stuff here. We're just getting started. We're having a lot of fun. Uh, some of the uh, draft Bible bloodlines, the familiar with uh, Chris Shanafelt, Bo Marchant, of course, Rick Saratella here, telling it like it is when it comes to the NFL draft. Did you get your 2019 draft Bible? Well, you still have time. Hopefully it's not too late. You're listening to this before the draft. Go to NFLDraftScout.com right up there in the menu bar. The link for the 2019 draft guide. Unlock the magic and uh, get (laughs) educated for the draft, baby. So, um, guys, you know, I think uh, uh, between the three of us, I mean, I I don't know if you, you could choose any three media members out there and and tally up all the interviews they've done. I don't think anybody can match. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying it because the three of us each interview literally hundreds of players each year. Um, if I had to tally them all, I'd probably say close to 1,000 guys amongst the three of us. So I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. I know it's hard to choose just one. Uh, Chris, I'll start it off with you. Who was the – best interview that you conducted this past year yeah i actually go right here in my backyard and normally i stick with the smaller school guys i find those guys to be most interesting as many people may not know about them but uh, i'll go with the university of illinois uh interior offensive lineman nick allegretti uh, one of the best offensive linemen in the big 10 over the past four years actually played in every single game uh that was on the university of uh, illinois schedule the past four years um you know, what really stuck out when talking to him is, I mean, you, you knew right away this is a really mature guy, one of the more mature prospects I've ever uh, been able to chat with. But uh, I asked him what one of his goals would be once he finally made it to the NFL, and he said it would be to win the Walter Payton Man of the Year. And, uh, you know, that, that kind of just took me aback. I mean, this is a guy that uh, just the past two years uh, raised over $88,000 uh, uh, towards charities and, uh, you know, really has a big impact uh with that Champaign, Illinois uh, community. And, you know, he, he said, you know, he, he understood it's not going to come right away. It's not going to come my first, second year. He's going to have to kind of uh, make a name for himself in the NFL. So he, he knows that he's going to have to, uh, you know, itch out a, a pretty decent NFL career first and foremost. But, uh, you know, j- just the fact that, um, t- you know, normally you hear about Super Bowls and, uh, Pro Bowls, all pros, and that's all nice and great, but rarely do you hear something like the Walter Payton Man of the Year being a, a goal for an NFL draft prospect. So I thought that was really cool, and that was really one of the answers that really stood out to me uh, <clears throat> out of uh, the, the dozens and, and hundreds of interviews that uh, I was able to conduct this draft season. Uh, good stuff, and I think Allegretti, I saw him somewhere along the All-Star trails. I think he was at the Shrine, Shrine game. Yeah, and uh, had had himself a heck of a week, uh, played himself into a potential draftable grade, uh, I felt, down there in St. Petersburg. Uh, Bo, I mean, dude, you 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 okay over there? Because I, I see you doing like 10 interviews a day. I mean, are you okay over there? I mean, who was the most enjoyable for you, brother? Well, you know what? I just prior to us doing our show here, I I, I <laughs> talked with Mac Wilson from Alabama. I had uh, Mitch Wisnowski, the Utah punter, and then my last draft show, um, we just wrapped up with Jalen Ferguson out of Louisiana Tech. And I'd have to say, 
um, just because he's most recent in my mind and kind of playing off what Christian said about the uh, the Walter Payton, you know, uh, Man of the Year award. Um, when Mac Wilson came on, you know, he's a borderline first-round prospect, Bama linebacker. But, I mean, you know, he was just talking about his hard times growing up in Montgomery and how he had a lot of decisions that could have went the wrong way. But, you know, he, he just made a commitment to himself to make the right choices. And he just said in his heart of hearts, he goes, you know, he goes, I want to make it in the NFL. And he just said this about an hour ago. He said, I want to make it in the NFL, he goes, so I can give back and help the kids of Montgomery. And I'm thinking, Mike, this guy is on draft eve. You know, he doesn't know where he's – is he going to go Thursday night, Friday night? Where is he going to live? And he's already thinking about how he can help the community. You know, we already know what this guy is on the field, so I don't think there's any question about that. And as Christian and Rick, you both know, you know, we kind of go behind the scenes. We know we know what they do on tape. We know how fast they run. But you kind of know these guys a little bit more on a personal level and find out what's in their heart. And uh, I walked away pleasantly surprised. And, and the whole podcast basically was him just kind of, you know, giving thanks and just kind of talking about, you know, his time at Bama and the fun he had. And, and you know, and he said it was a lot less – um, you know, they do have a lot of fun. It might not seem like they have a lot of fun, but he said they had a, a lot of fun, you know, playing for the Crimson Tide. And he just talked about his relationship with Nick Saban and said, you know, he, he said he would go in Saban's office so much and talk about football that Saban would say, hey, you got to leave because I got work to do. So uh, it would be Mac Wilson for me. Good stuff there and refreshing to hear because, you know, uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, you hear about how, Kyler Murray blew off, you know, he accepted his invitation to the NFL draft, but he blew off all the media events this week. He blew off the charity uh, events that he agreed to commit to and attend as part of his invitation to the NFL draft. But no, listen, man, I'm Kyler Murray. I fly in by a helicopter. So <laughs> Don't Kyler get yourself Murray, you the wrong way. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. Right? I mean, it does me. you know, to me, this guy is one broken leg away from collecting his guaranteed monies and going to play baseball. So uh, if that happens, you know what? Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury, uh, their career <laughs> will not be lasting long, my friend. Um, but, no, I mean, you li- like you said, you, you listen to somebody like Mac Wilson talk about giving back and being there for the community – and then you have Kyler Murray, who completely blew off every speaking engagement and charity event he was supposed to attend this week, and then flies in Hollywood style via helicopter Wednesday <laughs> evening, the night before the draft. Um, just a weird. He's just an oddball. I mean, I spoke to him at the Heisman, and just you know, again, just like what you saw on the Dan Patrick show. I mean, every time I asked him about the football baseball question, I mean, he's staring at me like I have 25 heads. Like, there's something wrong with me for asking that question. How dare you ask me that question? So I hear you. Uh, you know, Kyler, I guess I'm not a fan, Kyler. I don't mean to knock you, but, you know, you'll be all right. Um, so for me, you know, I had a chance to speak with Dalton Reisner at the senior bowl. I think I was probably like the first media guy to get to him and probably, you know, I guess I can't recall if Kansas state was in a bowl game or not, but this was really where I think I was the first one to kind of let him know that, you know, Hey, I've spoken to scouts 
and some people view you as a guard. Other people think you might be center. Uh, you still have a chance to be a tackle. Like, hey, where do you see yourself? And, you know, up until that point, I honestly believe that he thought he was a tackle prospect. <laughs> and, you know, he was just thrown <laughs> off guard by my whole question. I had him going. I mean, he broke out the third person on me and just was like, listen, I don't know why NFL teams might think that. You know what? I have no idea. I had no idea they were thinking that. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> Dalton Reisner don't care. I'll tell you what, Dalton Reisner is going to bring it every day. Dalton Reisner is going to make NFL teams believe. <laughs> and before you know it, I mean, there was just a crowd of media around Reisner because he was on a roll. And it's funny because, you know, that, that big media shindig session, it lasted pretty long. And uh, by the, I remember the, the media scrum kind of winding down. And then at the end of the media session, uh, I had happened to walk by Reisner and somebody was kind of asking him the same question. And he was a lot more structured and prepared and, you know, probably had answered that question uh, five times at that point. But I just, uh, you know, this guy is just a great soundbite. <laughs> Um, and, you know, I got to say Colin Sanders, too, was uh, definitely a fun guy to chat with. And, uh, you know, it's guys like that that can play for, for me any day of the week because you can just feel the passion oozing through their soul and their body and their skin and just like, hey, I love football, man. Just get me out there. And, uh, you know, wherever those guys go, <clears throat> hey, uh, they're going to be a true bargain for any team. With that being said, uh, we're going to go – into our gut check time. And again, you're tuned into the NFL draft Bible behind the scenes episode with our scouting staff, Bo Marchant, Chris Shanafelt, Rick Saratella here, uh, sharing some stories going down memory lane. It's the 18th draft season. The NFL draft Bible has just wrapped it up. Uh, published our, our guide up on the NFL It's still available. If you haven't downloaded it yet, uh, don't make that mistake. But, you know, every year, guys, and, and uh, you know, Bo, I remember, I don't know if it was the 2007 draft, 2008 draft, but I just remember we had a long correspondence about how a guy like Selvin Young could possibly <laughs> slide through the cracks during the draft process because his pro day workout was so outstanding and his size and speed combination was so impressive. And he went on and had an outstanding rookie season as an undrafted free agent. And, um, you know, that was uh, the beginning of a uh, 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 in-depth conversation back and forth on Selvin Young. But throughout the years, we've had a handful of guys uh, that we just have a, a, a gut feeling about, right? And whether it's, uh, you know, getting to spend time around them or breaking down their film or a little bit of both, uh, we all have our uh, quote-unquote man crushes. Uh, so we'll start off with you, Bo. Who, who's the guy this year, the prospect that, you know, you're just like, yeah, you know what? This kid is primed to be successful at the next level. Now we're talking the blue chippers. Wherever you want to go. Um, well, I, well, if we're going to go a little bit, I guess, off the cuff, uh, I'm going to go with Jalen Moore, the Appalachian State running back. Um, you know, this. you talked about Dalton Wisner kind of, you know, you do, you do speak to those guys where you can just feel the passion kind of coming from their voice. And uh, Moore backed it up with his play, but I, I love that tenacity that he brings to the game. Um, you know, he's probably going to be 
a third, you know, day guy is going to go off the board Saturday. But like many of, the, many of these late round prospects, I mean, you know, I know he, you know, he was big news today. But I mean, Tyreek Hill was a fifth round pick by the Chiefs. Um, I don't think he might have that type of impact. But nonetheless, you can find fantastic talent all through all seven rounds of the NFL draft, even in you know the undrafted mark. But uh, I think the App State kid, Jalen Moore, um, you know, I, I just think he is a kid that's kind of under that radar. I know he has a pulse. I mean, he was at the combine. He did all the things that the big boys do, but in terms of the big, you know, he's kind of like the small fish in the big pond instead of being that small, you know, that small fish in the, you know, the big fish in the little pond. So uh, he's a guy that I think we could just keep an eye on. And then is the blue chippers. Um, a guy I just think is going to be the can't miss is I, I'll, I'll say the LSU linebacker, Devin white. I just think at the end of the day, you know, plug and play and, you know, Patrick Willis part two, you know, pro bowl eight out of the next 10 years that he's in the national football league. Good ones. No, I can dig it. And uh, Jalen, I had a chance. I reached out to him probably, I want to say in June or July over the summer. Um, and, you know, spoke to him throughout the season uh, you know, stayed in touch with him, and you know, I'm hoping all the best uh, for Jalen Moore. Of course, the injury preventing him from working out leading up to the draft. Uh, Chris, who do you got? Gut instincts, gut check time. You're in the war room. You're pounding a table. You say, "My man, he's just bound to make it." <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I'd love to go Quinn and Williams, but I'm going to go a different route. Uh, Quinn Williams is my number one ranked player, as he is probably, uh, you know, 50%, if not more, of uh, draft Knicks out there. Um, if I were the Arizona Cardinals, he would be my pick and not the uh, the quarterback, Kyler Murray. But that's a different story for another day. Uh, you know, I'm going to go wide receiver Miles Boykin. I mean, uh, really only had one productive year there at Notre Dame, um, over 800 yards receiving, but had a monster NFL combine to go with his uh, already – uh, bigger stature, uh, listed at 600 pounds. But, uh, you know, I mean, this is a guy that absolutely uh, blew it out of the water at the NFL Combine. And I think he's one of those guys that you do kind of go off his potential. That, that's where he's going to be drafted at is based off his potential and, uh, you know, how, how teams uh, can view him at the next level. Um, so I think Miles Boykin is going to be a guy that, uh, you know, probably a – maybe a late day two pick at the highest, uh, somewhere in day three, more than likely, maybe round four. Um, I, I think Miles Boykin could be a guy somewhere uh, late day two, day three, that uh, carves out a, a really solid NFL career um, wide receiver out of Notre Dame. All right. Very good. I'm going to go – going to kind of do the bow thing and give you a blue chip guy and then an under-the-radar guy. For me, my blue chipper and, you know – I'm glad I got confirmation because I was kind of on an island by myself with this one. Uh, I've been touting Chris Lindstrom, the Boston College guard, as a first-round guy, um, you know, all year long. And I'm not trying to be the Brooklyn brawler and pat myself on the back, but it's just good to see (laughs) that other people have hopped on board the Lindstrom bandwagon, and we're going to ride that bad boy right into the first round, right up in near the top 20. Um, but no, Lindstrom's going to be a stud. And the one guy I would tell you, another guy I spoke to throughout the season, and you know, uh, it's just like, okay, why, why weren't, why wasn't he in Indianapolis? Why was he not invited to the combine? Because his performance might have been uh, better than any of these guys. But Michael Dogby from Temple, 
Um, just an explosive athlete. Uh, this guy's going to make people pay at the next level. He's going <laughs> to he's going to bring an ultra sized giant chip on his shoulder, <laughs> and uh, you know he's got extra work boots in the cl- closet because this guy works overtime. Man, um, Michael Dogby from Temple. You know, not invited to the combine, but you know what? Fourth round, fifth round would not shock me. I know. I know that there's other teams out there that are with me on this. And this is a guy who hasn't gotten any uh, pre-draft hype at all, uh, but he deserves it. And he's going to make his mark at the next level. So mark that down in your books. Now, um, <laughs> Christian NFL, Bo Marshawn. Hey, guys, are we having fun yet? <laughs> um, I'm having a ball. It, you know, <laughs> we're, we're <laughs> it's a throwback from way back. Uh, we've never had Chris Bell and myself on the same show, so this is a first, and it's a lot of fun. Now, uh, each and every year, Bo does the Lunch Bucket Squad. Bo, how long have you been doing this now? And, and give the listeners at home a little background about it. Uh, well, I, you know, I think the first year we did it was 2009, and uh, I only remember that because Julian Edelman was on the team. And, uh, you know, Kent State quarterback trying to make it as a wide receiver. You know, and at that point, you know, nobody cares about Julian Edelman. Everybody who loves football um, knows who Julian Edelman is now. And, uh, you know, and that's kind of, you know, you try to find guys that have a pulse, that have a legit shot, but you kind of want to – you kind of want to make it where they're kind of extreme. You you don't want to go with the easy choices, but again, you got to be somewhat reasonable. You just can't take some, you know, D three kid out because he, you know, he gave you a great interview. Um, and I've been guilty of that as much as anybody, but, uh, you know, but since 2009, and again, it's, it's a collection of guys that, you know, not necessarily aren't household names, um, maybe a little bit small schools, some from big schools, but nonetheless, they just don't have the pulse and the, the you know the household name that some of the guys that we mentioned you know the the you know the, the Kyler Murrays the Quinnen Williams all the names that we've we've kind of mentioned during the show these are the guys that most people don't pay attention to that you know probably can make a camp maybe a day three guy sixth seventh round and you know and then they'll start their journey in rookie camp and kind of you know build it up as uh, summertime comes and when those final roster cuts come you know in the beginning of September. Um, you know, they're either going to be on the practice squad and build it up from there or, uh, you know, or just make the 53-man itself. And, you know, again, these guys can come from any rank, FBS, FCS, D2, D3, but, you know, it does uh-huh. shine the spotlight on a lot of the small school guys, which, you know, Chris and myself just love to dig into. So uh, if you're listening at home, you want to go check out the list. It's up there on the uh, College 2 Pro, the numero 2, College 2 Pro dot com and you can see uh this year's lunch bucket team from the draft ninja himself bonostra um but you know chris and i are each going to pick a guy that we like on offense a guy that we like on defense and then we're going to talk about the saratella all scrappy team we'll get to that in just a second but uh for this exercise it's chris and myself going to uh take a look at Bo's lunch bucket team. So, Chris, let's start off on offense. Uh, I like the list of players here. Who's the one guy that stands out to you that you're a big fan of? Chris, are you with us? Chris, on mute. <laughs> Bo, no, you're still with Chris us, might, right? 
Yeah, yeah. You know, Chris might have been so disappointed with my lunch bucket team he just hung up. <laughs> yeah. No, I did see that. <laughs> he was so dropped. disgusted. He just said, you forget <laughs> it. I'm done. Man, listen. So, we'll get Chris back up here in a second. Um, but just to run through some guys, Drew Anderson from Murray State at QB. Xavier Turner from Tarleton State. This is a guy. Uh, shout Flavor. out to John Murphy. Yeah. We're gonna have we're gonna try to get John, uh, for part of the original draft Bible familiar, and former Calgary and and uh, Saskatchewan GM. And shout out to John because his mom just passed away here in New York. Oh, so uh, we'll we'll hope to have him on. Yeah, unfortunate uh, turn of events there. So our hearts and and uh, condolences out to uh, JM Murph. But he said, listen, this kid from Tarleton State has such a buzz around him um, that he now may be drafted. So, um, you know, I've just heard about him, Bo. I'll be honest with you. I haven't had a chance to actually check out his film, but I, I'd love to know what you think about Xavier Turner. Uh, well, you know, he, he's that kid, you know, he, uh, you know, he struggled coming out of school and, uh, you know, he had a Joe the Juco route and, you know, Rick, a lot of these kids, that's the exact thing. You know, it could be not getting a lot of recruiting. You know, it could be grades. could be just, you know, they weren't up to ideal size. But, you know, he goes to JUCO level, and then, uh, you know, he arrives. He originally had a offer to play at Oklahoma. And you, when you think of, you know, Mixon and Rodney Anderson, I mean, he would have been in that backfield with those type of guys. But, you know, lo and behold, he, you know, he gets himself to Tarlington State and, you know, and he just kind of carves out that niche. Ideal size, 5'10", 5'11", 220, 225. And I always look at that size. To me, that's the ideal size of what you want in a running back at the National Football League level. So, uh, you know, he's going to be, a, again, a sleeper guy, a day three guy, you know, sixth, seventh round, priority free agent when that draft concludes Saturday. But nonetheless, just like a Julian Edelman, um, you know, camp will start. And, you know, and we're not saying this kid's going to turn into – you know, Walter Payton, but it could happen. You know, I mean, I always like to share this story, Rick. In 1990, there was two players. One was drafted in the first round, one that went undrafted. One player's name was Emmett Smith. The other players that went under, undrafted was John Randall. And both those guys got inducted to the Hall of Fame in the same year. So it's just something to think about. So, you know, it's easy to say that Xavier Turner may not turn into something, but you just never know. And if you have the ingredients, and he does, he tur- he couldn't he could kind of turn into a, a special player. Maybe not Hall of Fame. I know I'm going way overboard with that. But he's a kid with a real pulse that can maybe make a difference when he gets the ball. Hey, never say never. As you know, it's uh, Bo, Rick, and Chris. And we bring Chris back into the mix. Uh, hope I didn't steal your guy, Chris. I went with Xavier Turner out of Tarleton State, a guy I know – you're familiar with. I don't know if you have any other additional comments on him, but uh, who is your offensive lunch bucket standout? Yeah, well, sorry about that, you guys. I'm going to actually go with uh, the assumption receiver, Deontay Harris, um, also uh, probably the best uh, return man in college football, Um, 13 or 14 returns for touchdowns in his career, Uh, was at the NFL PA game, had a few nice returns there, um, undersized, no doubt about it, uh, listed at, I believe, 5'6", um, maybe 170 pounds, um, if that, uh, but, and, it, you know, we, we all know how the, the return game and, uh, you know, special teams, it's really 
uh, they're really starting to make rules to kind of take that out of the game. But uh, it's still a part of the game as of now, and I think that's a spot where Deontay Harris can make a team. Um, you know, I, I don't expect him to be some elite receiver at all throughout his career. Ne- again, never say never, as, as you all know. But, uh, you know, certainly on uh, special teams as a returner, um, I'm not sure there's anybody better uh, than Deontay Harris of, Assum- of Assumption College at the Division Two level. Yeah, maybe the uh, poor man's Hollywood Brown of the draft. Do we want to go there? Anyway, he's a burner, and uh, Chris is right. He's a special teams guy that can really make a name for himself at the next level. Had a chance to get some eyeballs on him at the NFL PA game, as Chris mentioned. All right, Chris, highlight a lunch bucket defensive standout for us. Okay, so I'm actually going to go uh, a guy that's really starting to pop up on the radar quite a bit now, had, had a standout Shrine game, um, got invited to the Senior Bowl, and that's Jimmy Moreland, uh, you know, another one of those uh, NFL Combine snubs. Um, you know, I, I watch this guy, and time and time again, uh, the name Malcolm Butler keeps popping up. Um, I, I see a lot of similarity between their games. Um, you know, 5'10", 185, and really all throughout his collegiate career, this is a guy that has taken the ball away in one of the toughest conferences in the FCS um, year in and year out. I mean, this is a guy that's uh, really um, always getting the defense off the field and creating turnovers, uh, pass deflections. One of those gritty defensive backs as well. We, we all know the reputation that cornerbacks have is they don't like to tackle, they, they, they don't like to get physical, that's not the case with Jimmy Moreland of uh, James Madison. So, um, you know, he's one of my favorite players in this draft. Well, I agree wholeheartedly. And we just spoke about this on the GM Jr. show with Russ Landy and myself, and we broke down the corners. And, you know, I hadn't mentioned that, you know, both at the Shrine game and the Senior Bowl, I – surveyed the wide receivers and I asked them, you know, who's the toughest opponent you faced out here? Who's the toughest guy you matched up out here? Who's, who's the guy making a name for himself on the other side of the ball? Nine times out of 10, they kept saying Jimmy Moreland. And again, (laughs) you know, our buddy, Jeff Foster, I'm not here to bash you, but man, why wasn't this guy in Indy? I mean, you know, it's just really unfortunate when guys like this, especially coming out of the FCS ranks, don't get their due. And Jimmy Moreland, I mean, and the next guy I'm about to talk about, these guys return, not just get interceptions, they return them back for touchdowns now. (laughs) And, you know, Jimmy Moreland has got the little man syndrome. I mean, he's probably listed at 5'10", maybe. But, I mean, he's as feisty and as physical uh, as any cornerback in this year's draft. And, uh, Bo, I'll give you a chance to comment and follow up as well if you'd like to chime in. But let me talk about some Nate Brooks. Uh, And our guy, (laughs) shout-out Will Christian, had a chance to get over to the North Texas Pro Day. And he goes, hey, man, they got some corners out here flying around. I said, yeah, Kemon Hall and Nate Brooks. Uh, These two corners had a a big-time buzz around them at the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. And Nate Brooks, another one of these guys with a, a whole bushel full of interceptions, I think a couple pick six for returns. Um, you know, again, you know, a, a late bloomer. Um, you know, just looking at Bo's lunch bucket team, who's only five foven 145 is coming out of high school, now six foot, 
185. Uh, but both of these North Texas kids are, are going to be in a camp. I think both of the North Texas kids are going to make a team. And, you know, Jimmy Jimmy Moreland, I mean, he's going to be uh, a uh, – that Waddle kid, I think he was on the Ravens for a little bit, Ladarius Webb or uh, Waddle. I think Moreland could be in the kind of mold of one of those guys. But, uh, Bo, we, we both went – with the defensive backs, any opinion there on either Nate Brooks or Jimmy Moreland? No, I, you know what? I, I don't, I agree with you guys both. And, and the funny thing is I know, I know you have uh, Moreland on your scrappy team. You know, I think we're just, I think Jimmy Moreland is going to be the trend of the show. Cause I think we're going to continue to talk about uh, Jimmy Moreland when you get to the scrappy team. Well, shout out to the Moreland family because I'll tell you what, nobody <laughs> had a bigger entourage than Jimmy Moreland at the East-West Shrine game. I mean, uh, just the uh, outstanding group of individuals. They were just really enjoying themselves and having so much fun, which was wonderful to see as Jimmy just was lighting it up and, of course, excelling in St. Petersburg, getting the call up to the Senior Bowl. And you're getting the call right now to join us here on the NFL Draft Bible behind the scenes. With the Familia, Chris Shanafelt, Bo Marchant, Rick Saratella breaking it all down, counting you down to Nashville. Hours, hours away. You know, we're so used to doing these shows and saying, oh, we're, we're months away, we're days away, we're weeks away. No, now we are hours away. And, Chris, it looks like you may have dropped on us again, so see if we can get you back up. Uh, are you with us still, Chris, or are you guys? Yeah, I'm, hey, did man. I drop? Okay. Uh, hear me? No, no, no. Okay, okay. We got you. We got you. Uh, All right, good. So, <laughs> hey, someone please call 911. Um, we're having a lot of fun here. So, in honor of the Lunch Bucket Squad, um, I had to do an all-scrappy team this year just – you know, again, we partnered up with the NFL Draft com. We got our draft guide available over there on the website. And, you know, I wanted to come up with some additional content. And, you know, it's my inaugural all scrappy team, Saratella's all scrappy team. And, you know, kind of uh, in the mold, you could say I copied Bo. It's all good. Uh, same kind of concept, you know, some under the radar guys that I wanted to go digging in the crates for. And, you know, uh, I know I sent out the link to you guys as I pull it up. I guess we'll start over uh, with you, Bo, since you've been waiting patiently as Chris and I broke down your lunch bucket squad. Give me an offensive guy you like from the all-scrappy team. Oh, first of all, fantastic list. And you know it's it's hard. It's hard to just – even at that point, it's still hard to leave guys off the list because there's so many guys – out there that you kind of fall in love with. But uh, I think the one guy you have on the, this list, and I think of real impact type of effort that he could bring to the next level is I think Terry McLaughlin from Ohio State. I mean, uh, since the offseason, you know, he's been tearing everything up in terms of, you know, events, all-star games, everything, um, fantastic numbers in terms of the combine drills. And uh, I think you really nailed one here. You know, people are going to get lost in the idea of, you know, Paris Campbell. But, you know, I, I think a little bit, and this is kind of going way back, but you think of that guy named, you know, Peter Warwick, you know, going in the first round from Florida State. And then in the later rounds, there's that other guy from Florida State named Lavernius Coles who ended up having a better career. And, uh, you know, I mm. think McLaurin, McLaurin could be that type of guy. Not a lot of hype now, 
just like Coles being that Seminoles receiver that nobody really knew about. Everyone was thinking Paris Campbell. But uh, I, I think you really nailed one here with Terry McLaughlin. And, you know, one, you're, you're coming from an institution like Ohio State. So we already know you have the pedigree of being a fantastic prospect. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's kind of proved that the athleticism is there. And now it's just going to take time for a, a team to develop that. And, and hopefully we kind of see him rise to the occasion and, you know, and prove that, you know, that he was on the all-scrappy team and that uh, he's going to make good for it. Bro dropping gems on him with the Lavernius Coles reference. Loving it. Um, <clears throat> you know, this is a guy when we sat down and finalized our board and, and locked in our wide receiver rankings, it was unanimous. It was a consensus decision. All of our scouts, there was no way we were going to put Paris Campbell higher than Terry McLaurin. There was just no way we can do it. Terry McLaurin is just a more polished player. He's going to be the more productive pro. And this guy is going to play at least 10, maybe 15 years in the league. When he hangs up the cleats, he's going to go on and become a coach. And this guy is never going to leave the field because he's a four-down player. He plays all four special teams units. Urban Meyer called him as hard of a worker as any player he's ever been around. Yeah, yet all the draft pundits have completely ignored Terry McLaurin leading up to the draft. So, you know, thanks for tuning in. This is why you do it. Uh, Chris, give me an offensive, all scrappy standout that you like. Well, you know, I got to go with the Stony Rock running back, Wes Hills. Uh, spent his first three years at the University of Delaware. Um, then transferred down to the Division II level at Slippery Rock, and in his one and only year uh, playing in the PSAC, he uh, totaled uh, almost the amount of yardage and touchdowns that he had in his uh, three years at the University of Delaware. Uh, actually broke the uh, Slippery Rock record for uh, rushing with uh, over 1,700 yards. Um, you know, this is a guy that, like Jimmy Moreland, not many people were very familiar with. And since the All-Star Circuit, his name's kind of dropped a little bit, West Hills, that is. But uh, he really blew up on the scene at the NFL PA game. Uh, again, one of those guys that got the call up to the Senior Bowl, unfortunately suffered uh, an injury there at the Senior Bowl. I believe it was a shoulder. I could be wrong on that. But um, West Hills is a guy that, you know, again, his name was really – boiling hot uh, in the all-star circuit. It's cooled down a little bit since then, but uh, this could be a, a late day three guy, maybe an undrafted guy that, that uh, we could see on an NFL roster one of these days. Not going to burn you as long as he is a pretty uh, tough runner, you know, break, breaking the tackles, kind of a, a runner uh, in between tackles. It, again, isn't going to kill you with speed, but uh, this is a guy that, <clears throat> you know, uh, third and short, is going to be a guy that you're going to want to get the ball to. Uh, again, West Hills from Slippery Rock coming off of a, a big senior season as well as a, a big all-star circuit. The pride of Wildwood, New Jersey, right down the street from where I'm broadcasting <laughs> Wesley Hills, baby. And again, you know, as you guys know, traditionally 20 to 30 guys that weren't invited to Indianapolis are going to get selected, hear their name called during the draft. We just gave you a good bunch of them between Dogby and, and Moreland and now West Hills. Again, you said the buzz has died down because out of sight, out of mind, he was not in Indianapolis where he deserved to be. And you know what? He's just too talented at six foot, 200 plus pounds, steamrolling 
some SEC guys over there in the NFL PL. I got to say his senior bowl wasn't as impressive. Uh, came back down to earth a little bit at the senior bowl, but still showed enough um, to prove that he can handle the step up in competition. So, uh, Hey, obviously I like the choices guys cause they're on the Saratella all scrappy team. <laughs> let's, uh, <laughs> let's highlight a defensive guy from the, each of you. And we'll go back over, uh, to you, Bo. Well, I'm going to stick with that guy from the colonial athletic association named Jimmy Moreland out of James Madison. Um, I just, you know, he's just special. And I think for me to have him on my team and for you to have him on your team and, and Christian, you know, knowing that, you know, he is a small school guy that's kind of been really, he deserved more. He should have been in, you know, in Indianapolis getting all that free gear like everybody else gets. And, you know, he was kind of left off that big invite. And, uh, you know, it's, it's guys like us, you know, need to represent these guys in a small way. So I, I just, I'm going to continue the trend and, and this is nothing to take it away. I mean, I'm looking at the list and, you know, I mean, I'm looking, you know, I mean, you know, Jamal Garcia, I love, um, you know, I think that's a fabulous, fabulous nomination for the scrappy team. But at the end of the day, I, I just, I th- I'm so high on Moreland and I just think he has such a tremendous upside that, you know, he's a guy that, you know, we could actually maybe talk about during a weekly show during the season as a rookie of him, maybe establishing himself. So I just think I'm going to stick with Moreland and just kind of say, Hey, you know, this is a small school kid, you know, you know, going to be a day three guy probably, might possibly fifth round though. I mean, day three doesn't mean anything negative, but you know he can maybe be a fifth round guy, and, uh, and that's a pretty pretty large achievement for a guy coming from James Madison. No doubt about it. He's not only the president, but he's also a client of the Jimmy Moreland Fan Club Association. <laughs> Hop on board. There's still room. Uh, <laughs> the, the train is coming at you. Um, no, definitely love me some Jimmy Moreland. And listen, Jamel Garcia-Williams from UAB, uh, this guy was at the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl and just a long, lengthy lump of clay. But I'll tell you what, he's got all the tools in the toolbox to be an effective pass rusher. He's going to need you know, a year or two in the NFL strength and conditioning program. He's going to need a a lot of patience and nurturing. He's going to have to be coached up. But, I mean, this guy, I mean, he looks like a a, a version of Jason Taylor. I mean, that's the kind of frame this guy has out there on the edge. And the production was through the roof. So, uh, Jamel Garcia-Williams from UAB, remember that name, Uh, Chris (laughs) Who do you got for us from the all-scrapper team? Throw them up. Duke's up, baby. <laughs> I'll go defensive end Daryl Johnson of North Carolina A&T. A couple years ago it was Tariq Cohen. Last year it was Brandon Parker. I'll predict it. North Carolina A&T three years in a row will have a prospect drafted. Um, maybe not necessarily as high as Cohen and Parker went in years past. I, I could see Johnson being a, a, a sixth, seventh-round guy. This is going to be a, a team that a defensive coordinator, a, a, a defensive line coach, uh, sees 
something in this guy and wants to kind of mold them into the pass rusher that they want him to turn into. I mean, this is a guy that is uh, very, very raw and is actually entering the draft early, uh, coming out of uh, North Carolina A&T with uh, still one year of eligibility remaining. Um, I remember uh, walking up to him at the uh, NFL Combine. You know, he, he was, uh, you know, not, not necessarily a prospect that many were talking about, so he was at a table and uh, he was sitting down at his table, and I, I approached him, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is Daryl Johnson? I mean, I, I totally thought it was a, a defensive back because, I mean, just, just very, very small in stature. Uh, but then he gets up, he stands up, and, he, you know, I mean, he, he's a legit 6'5". Uh, you know, I, I believe the school has him listed 6'5", 240. Um, you know, I mean, so, so again, this is going to be a guy that's going to take some time for him to probably have an impact, at least on the defensive side of the ball, maybe comes in and has an impact on special teams. But, uh, Daryl Johnson, uh, you know, really, uh, wrecked havoc last season and the past couple of years at North Carolina A&T and made the decision to uh, come out early. So, uh, you know, again, this is a guy that can really, uh, you know, if he has the right coaching staff and is in the right scheme, I think he could really carve out a really solid NFL career. Yeah, very intriguing player. And uh, NCA and the Aggies, they're uh, turning them out, becoming a new NFL powerhouse. Hey, getting the old table treatment. If they If they put three players in the NFL draft three years in a row – I'm signing a petition. We got to get the NCA and T guys off the table treatment. Get them to a podium. <laughs> Come on now, a little respect. <laughs> you know. And for those of you at home listening, saying, "What the heck is he talking about?" Uh, it's um, it's funny how the NFL trots out the prospects uh, each hour. You know, every twenty or forty minutes, however they do it, but the more well-known, you know, quote-unquote day one, you know, top 100 guys are always escorted out to the podium. And then they have over in the corner these little round tables where guys are literally, like, sharing tables. And, you know, the interview, the audio interview is just overlapping because there's, like, 30 guys sitting at a round table trying, you know, nobody's showing. Some of these guys don't even have any media around them because they're all too busy, you know, trying to – uh, swarm around the podium, but NCA and when T, we say man, rubbing, so, rubbing uh, elbows at the NFL Combine, Rick, we, we really mean it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like it's a it's a battle royal over there. I mean, you know, <laughs> you gotta really okay. like, you know, make sure you're planted well. You got some stability there, both feet on the ground, head on a swivel type of movement. <laughs> hey, know, when, that kind of when Chris Carson. When Chris Carson was there at the combine, because like you said, they put him at the table. I actually did a full ten minute interview with him, with not one, <laughs> one single on one. person walking up to him. one on one. <laughs> and as it went on, I just kind of went into a player spotlight thing. I was just like, "Well, nobody's talking to him. We're just going to go into the <laughs> yeah. rabbit." And I, and I, we got done, and I'm like, "Look at that! Not one single soul." And look at that. And again, we're talking about guys even at the combine. Seventh round, Seattle, thousand yard rusher last year. There you go. There you go. Love it. That's why you tune into the Draft Bible Radio, Draft Nick Central. I mean, you just can't get enough of it. I can't get enough of these two guys, Bo Marchant and Chris Shanafelt. It's the NFL Draft Bible Familia. It's the behind the scenes episode. Of course, we've got podcasts each and every day. 
leading up to the draft, after the draft. I mean, it's a can't stop, won't stop type of situation. Oh, man. I hate to end this episode, gentlemen, but we're winding down. And, you know, we are a family here. It's the Draft Bible Familia. Again, we'll be back tomorrow with a new podcast. Uh, Joe Everett and myself will preview, count you down to the NFL draft. Chris will not be able to make it. Maybe we can get Bo on for another show. We'll uh, see if we can make that happen. But, guys, um, you know, so many years, so many tears, uh, so many good times and memories. You know, let's just go back on the draft Bible time machine. It's crazy to, to even think that the 19th, draft cycle has already begun as I put together my 2020 spreadsheets and, and big boards and scouting reports for next year. You know, that's a lot of what I've done this past month while all the uh, mainstream media plays catch up, you know, I've been getting ahead on next year's draft, but uh, we're going to be entering our 19th year. We brought back the publication uh, for the first time in nearly a decade, our our, our last public publication was uh, 2010. I believe Sue and McCoy were on the cover. Um, ironic enough, that was uh, the most impressive defensive line class I could remember until this year. And, um, you know, it's been a lot of great memories. It's been a lot of uh, great people that have come through the doors and continue to return and come back and, um, you know, again, I was scheduled to link up with John tomorrow and, and do some draft preview stuff. Hopefully we can still make that happen. We'll keep you posted on that. But, uh, Bo, I mean, listen, we go back, it's hard to imagine over a decade now. So I'll start off with you. Uh, take us uh, down memory lane. Give us a, a memory here. And listen, make sure that we can still be employable after, you you know, you tell the story. Well, this is going to be uh, this is going to be a rated G story. This is going to be a story that you can share with your kids. Um, I remember <laughs> I remember being in New York City, and I remember I was going to actually meet you and Ross Mandel at Ross's apartment, and we were going to do one of the shows. And I remember, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, getting on the subway, going down. And boy, did we have a great time. I mean, and I remember, I remember the outro music was the best part. I mean, when you hit that outro mood, I remember being in there and in my mind, and I know the moment wasn't like that, but it was almost like we were at a disco club. I remember I was just laughing, dancing around the place, just enjoying the was moment. Was it the jock jam? And, you know, was it the jock jam? I think, yeah, yeah, the jock jam. <laughs> when that one come right. on, and like I said, we were sitting there, and the show was ended, and Rick hits it, and that thing starts playing and I, like I said it was like it was like a movie where the lights started flashing even though they weren't but in our hearts and in our minds that was the way and that was in that and and and, and before I you know you wrap things up real quick Rick. hey man I am so glad to see that you're you know I mean you deserve I know you you bust your tail like no other and like I said when I got the book you know I did I got a tear in my eye just seeing the book and I know how hard you work and I know what kind of grind and and you just kind of really kind of, I think, seizing the moment, if you will. Um, I'm proud of you. I'm glad to call you a friend more than anything. But, uh, again, the accolades are well-deserved, and I just, uh, I'm glad seeing you do so well. Gosh, damn, man. I don't think I ever got emotional on a podcast before leaving to Bo, man. Hey, I appreciate that, Bo, because I know you work 
you work just as hard, man. That means a lot to me. But uh, no, it's it's been a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears throughout the years. No doubt about it. We keep uh, staying relevant, and we're still here. We ain't going nowhere uh, for sure. And I do remember that. And yeah, right there in Union Square, up on Fourteenth Street, uh, the Rostradamus and. Man, Rock shout out to uh, yeah. <laughs> we had uh, definitely some some good times uh, for sure. Uh, Chris, you know that's that's some that's a tough act to follow, uh, but we're gonna put you on the spot, man, and and make you work for this one. Jeez, Bo, thanks, thanks, thanks a lot, man. Uh, no, so wait, you know, I'll wait, go back. Wait till I go with the X-rated stories. <laughs> I'll go back to uh, the first time I actually met Rick. You know, it was uh, maybe my second year of doing prospect interviews. The draft was in Chicago for the very first time. I get off the train. Uh, Rick's calling me, hey, where are you at? Where are you at? And, uh, you know, in Chicago, it was uh, the, the, the draft was uh, they had this great big, huge setup outside of Grant Park. Um, and you had to have a media credential. It was draft day. And you had to have a media credential to even just walk around this park before they actually opened it up uh, public about three, four hours prior. Um, well, here's me and Rick. We're right outside, and he's like, all right, uh, you know, hey, nice to meet you. Let's go. Let's check everything out. And we go, and we, we get to security. Hey, uh, where's your credential? Asking me. Rick had his. Um, Rick goes, oh, he's with me. He's my intern. Here's my business card. We walk straight in. No questions. Nothing. And uh, we were in there for all of solid <laughs> Uh, six, seven hours, um, and, you know, then, you know, it was right after that day, all right, sign me up, I want to be a part of the NFL Draft Bible crew, here I am now, four or five years later, um, and, you know, I, I could go on and on with the stories that, that I have, not only with this guy, but, the, you know, you, Bo, the, the NFL Draft Bible crew, I mean, it's, it's really just been a blessing, um, really just a great experience, and, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, here we go, another another year in the book. No, it's uh, unbelievable, and I do remember, you know, that um, that day in Chicago, man. Yeah, it was uh, quite a scene, and that was the first year it had moved out of New York, and I guess, you know, for me, there's just so many, you know, it's hard for me to narrow it down. I mean, I've had a lot of great memories with these guys, but I think just looking back at it to see how it evolved from where, you know, it was just a, 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 a couple of us hooligans in the press <laughs> press row, uh, you know, back when it was in the theater in Madison Square Garden, uh, 2002 was the first year I attended the draft. And, you know, there was maybe uh, four rows of us, you know, <laughs> just draft nerds, I guess we were. And, uh, you know, the NFL kind of wondered, like, what the – why would you guys want to be here? you know, type of thing. And, you know, at that point it was incredible to see the kind of access that we had. I mean, we were literally in the same section as the NFL teams, as they were making the picks and like, you know, Michael Crabtree would come over with this whole, you know, I never seen a player with a bigger entourage than Michael Crabtree to this day. And the way he just moved through that theater at Madison square garden 50 deep. I mean, it was like a, a boxing match entrance. And, you know, we, we, uh, you know, we called Crabtree over, we were on the air, we called Crabtree over for an interview. And, you know, those, those days are long gone. Uh, these guys all, you know, the NFL now has handlers and, 
you know, it's it's damn near impossible if you're not the NFL Network or ESPN. It's damn near impossible to get close to these guys, and you know, um, it's it's come a long way. I went and moved to the convention center for two years, uh, the Jacob Javits Center in New York, and then it went to Radio yeah. City. And then they had the Ice Capades fiasco, the fallout from the Ice Capades. A lot of people forget or are not aware <laughs> that, you know, the Radio City had told the NFL, you know, if you remember, it was usually a little bit earlier in April. And then uh, Radio City informed the NFL that they would have to push the draft back because they had Disney on skates scheduled uh, coinciding with the NFL draft. So the NFL draft had to alter their schedule and they got all bent up out of shape. And the reason being is because when it came time for the ice capades, Disney on skates, whatever you want to call it, they did not sell enough tickets. So they actually wound up canceling the show and making the NFL move their draft back. And the very next year it was when the NFL decided to say, you know what, we're going to give you the uh, middle finger salute make this a traveling sideshow. And uh, from there it was, you know, when it moved to Chicago where, you know, I met Chris for the first time. So that was a blessing in disguise, but uh, it, you know, since moved on to Philadelphia and Dallas and Nashville and, you know, next year, Las Vegas. And who would have ever imagined uh, now the media, not only are we not <laughs> in the mix, you know, and it's funny because before it moved away from New York, we went from being in the mix to get moved to the back row. Then the following year, we were bumped up to the mezzanine. And then, like, the year before, the last year in New York, we were all the way up in the nosebleeds of Radio City. Um, and then, you know, forget about it. Once it went to Chicago, we were in a completely different room. And I think that's where the explosion happens because, you know, as you guys may or may not know, when the draft was in New York, I lived in New York at the time. You did not even know. I mean, unless you worked in the industry like I did, you would have no idea walking even around Radio City. I mean, there was barely any signage, publicity, marketing. I mean, the NFL draft, it was just another Broadway show, another play, you know, going on that day. New York could really care less that it was hosting this big event. And I think, you know, once Chicago, you know, shut down the city, and closed downtown. Um, that was, you know, the the beginning of the floodgates of what you see now on on prime time, a three day spectacle uh, spread out uh, uh, into a fan fest where a quarter million people come through the turnstiles. And uh, I just never, ever, ever, ever could have possibly imagined the type of growth <laughs> that we've seen uh, when I started off with the NFL draft Bible.com in 2002, when I could count on one hand, how many draft websites there actually were. So, uh, just outstanding, outstanding stuff. What an amazing show. Uh, probably my, my favorite show of the year. And of course, leave it to day 364 tomorrow's th day 365. Um, the NFL draft guys, I know we will be chatting. We'll be interacting We'll be communicating on the uh, social media world. And listen, make sure you give these guys a follow. Uh, Chris Shanafelt is at Chris Shanafelt 
Uh, Bo is at, is it Bo Nostra? Or no, no or at Bo Marchant. At Bo Marchant. Yeah. Uh, and then myself, you know, I'm all over the place. But at NFL Draft Bible, I mean, is always the best way to stay on top of all of our coverage, all of our articles, all of our podcasts, all of our breaking news, all of the Bo Marchanti team reports, Mac Wilson visiting with 22 teams leading up to the draft. I mean, it just never stops. And, I mean, listen, if you're not following these guys, you're not doing it. You're not doing it right. You're not doing the process right. You're not paying attention. Um, nobody, I mean, nobody has their finger on the pulse like Chris and Bo and Joe. And we're gonna get Justin on one day this week. Shout out to Justin Gamble. And we're gonna get all the draft Bible familia back together again at one point in time each day this week. It's coming at you. It's screaming. Coming at you more than a Cypress Hill song, baby. You know, big, big shout out to all the hard work the staff has put in. If you want a taste of it, go to NFLDraftScout.com. Download the link, 2019 Draft Guide. It's right up there in the menu bar. You can see what we do. And we'll be back next year with a better edition, a better version, more hard copies, uh, we ain't going nowhere. We're just coming back stronger for the new year. But, uh, you know, this was our NFL Draft Bible behind the scenes. Please, again, leave a comment, share it, subscribe to it, you know, whether it's iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, NFL Draft Scout. We'll be back with a brand-new show each and every day during draft week. Just don't stop, baby. That's it. And they and uh and we're also gonna have NFL draft Bible after dark. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.